Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gamison with the Speaking for Him podcast, and today we're going to jump right into our ninth part of the Pilgrim's Progress right after I tell you a little bit about what is going on. Well, I have had better weeks, folks. Um, I want to start out this podcast by uh, reminding you that if you have a Facebook or another form of social media, that you do what you can to secure those accounts. Because on Thursday night, I was um, hacked, and I was told um, late Thursday night, early Friday morning, that I needed to change the password to my Facebook account. And I did that, and I went to log into the account and was unable to uh, because the hacker had placed two-factor verification on my account. So as it stands right now, I cannot get on my original Facebook account. I have a shred of hope that Facebook will be able to correct the problem. But there's been really a mixture of information on the Internet as to the way that Facebook does its customer service. So I would ask you as my listeners to pray really hard that I would have the opportunity to have access to my original Facebook account very soon if possible. Uh, the reason being primarily, other than my... 14 years of photos, which I very much want, is the fact that I have a Facebook page and a Facebook group that have ministry-related projects in them that I cannot control on my new Facebook account. So if you guys could just be in prayer that that situation would be resolved. Um, I don't have a ton of hope, but I am praying uh, that God will see fit to intervene in this situation You know, I know that it's social media, so from that perspective, it's not that important in the grand scheme of life. However, it is interesting how much that Facebook page meant to me throughout the pandemic and being able to reach so many people um, in one place and being able to reach out to them and know that they were there to talk to. So there is, I believe, some significance to it. Um, beyond saying, well, it's just social media, so it doesn't matter. So if you could uphold that in prayer, I would really appreciate it. Um, And I really am excited about the things that I'm able to do on uh, Facebook for ministry. Um, But now with this hacking situation that occurred, it's very uh, uh, hard for me to get excited about posting future things because I don't know how how long they will be up there. The next thing I wanted to say is that we are continuing to soldier through the school year at the Potter's house. Thank you so much for your continued prayers on that front. Um, The kids have finished their senior project presentations and it was neat to sit with them today, especially my fourth hour senior project class and just talk to them. um, Mr. Cole and I about how proud we were of them and how, exciting it was to watch them to grow and flourish as they chose their topic and got excited about their topics. I love where I get to work. I love being able to share that kind of excitement with the kids, and I'm so thankful that the Lord has placed me where he has. 
All right, well, I hope that you are having a good week and that God is showing himself faithful, whatever challenges you may have. Know that I pray for you often, um, and I'm so grateful for all of the listeners and support that I have. And now it's time for the rest of our show. All right, well, as I said, it is hard to believe that we are ramping up to the conclusion of our story next week. So this is the penultimate episode of the Pilgrim's Progress this week, and we're going to see um, uh, Christian and Hopeful have a very important discussion with ignorance on this episode. And You know, I really like the Pilgrim's Progress because it talks about some very serious topics, but it does so in an allegorical conversational form that hopefully is entertaining as well as informing. And so that's why I chose it for the first official project of Speaking for Him Readers Theater, because I think that it it speaks the truth in an entertaining and engaging way. And I know that and there are certain ways in which the Pilgrim's Progress can be perceived as a dry work. And that is one reason why I wanted to bring multi-voice sensibilities to it. And so I'm just so excited for you to hear this ninth part right now. Our cast is only four today, uh, but they do a wonderful job, and they are in order. Our narrator, John Bunyan, once again, is Craig Abel, Christian is once again portrayed by Alex Jacobson. Hopeful is John Wilson. Ignorance played by Allison Dank Brito. And I got to tell you guys uh, something here that especially with Craig and Alex, they showed up to every recording. They were very faithful in, in being in every session. You know, it, it was kind of interesting because for a lot of the parts, they were smaller and you didn't have to make a full five-week commitment to the project when we recorded. You only had to be there when your part was recording. But for Craig and Alex, they really had to put it out there and and be there for every single recording that we did. And so I just want to commend them. And um, John and uh, Samuel Wilson, uh, John uh, being evangelist and hopeful in this production, and Sam doing a few smaller parts, they had the opportunity to do a stage musical called Pilgrim, which they did for the month of February in Colorado, and then actually were able to bring it to Holland, I believe, for some April performances. So I will hopefully sit down with them at some point in the near future and have an interview with them about what it was like to do that production and whether, you know, and and how maybe this reading helped prepare them for those roles. I think that would be an interesting discussion of the cross section there. And it's just so neat to be able to do things theatrical. I've always been, uh, had an acting bent. And so it's just been so neat to watch this come together and have it be so, well received by so many of you out there in the audience. So without further ado, I would like to present to you, with my thanks to Caleb Thiessen for his editing, 
part nine of the Pilgrim's Progress from the Speaking for Him Reader's Theater. I saw then in my dream that they went till they came into a certain country whose air naturally tended to make one drowsy if he came as a stranger into it. And here, Hopeful began to be very dull and heavy of sleep. Wherefore, he said unto Christian, I do now begin to grow so drowsy that I can scarcely hold mine eyes. Let us lie down here and take one nap. By no means, lest sleeping we never awake more. Why, my brother, sleep is sweet to the laboring man. We may be refreshed if we take a nap. Do you not remember that one of the shepherds bid us beware of the enchanted ground? He meant by that that we should beware of sleeping. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. I acknowledge myself in a fault. And had I been here alone, I had by sleeping run the danger of death. I see it is true that the wise man saith two are better than one. Hitherto hath thy company been my mercy, and thou shalt have a good reward for thy labor. Now then, to prevent drowsiness in this place, let us fall into good discourse. With all my heart. Where shall we begin? Where God began with us. But do you begin, if you please. I will sing you first this song. When saints do sleepy grow, let them come hither, and hear how these two pilgrims talk together. Yea, let them learn of them in any wise, thus to keep ope their drowsy slumbering eyes. Saints' fellowship, if it be managed well, keeps them awake, and that in spite of hell. I will ask you a question. How came you to think at first of so doing as you do now? Do you mean, how came I first to look after the good of my soul? Yes, that is my meaning. I continued a great while in the delight of those things which were seen and sold at our fair. Things which, I believe now, would have, had I continued in them still, drowned me in perdition and destruction. What things were they? Oh, all the treasures and riches of the world. Also, I delighted in much rioting, reveling, drinking, swearing, lying, uncleanness, Sabbath-breaking, and whatnot that tended to destroy the soul. But I found at last, by hearing and considering of things that are divine, which indeed I heard of you, as also of beloved faithful, that was put to death for his faith and good living in Vanity Fair, that the end of these things is death, and that for these things' sake cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And did you presently fall under the power of this conviction? (laughs) No, I was not willing presently to know the evil of sin, nor the damnation that follows upon the commission of it, but endeavored, when my mind at first began to be shaken with the word, to shut mine eyes against the light thereof. But what was the cause of your caring of it thus to the first workings of God's blessed spirit upon you? The causes were, one, I was ignorant that this was the work of God upon me. I never thought that by awakenings for sin, God at first begins the conversion of a sinner. Two, Sin was yet very sweet to my flesh, and I was loath to leave it. Three, I could not tell how to part with mine old companions. Their presence and actions were so desirable unto me. And four, the hours in which convictions were upon me were such troublesome and such heart-affrighting hours that I could not bear 
No, not so much as the remembrance of them upon my heart. Then, as it seems, sometimes you got rid of your trouble? Yes, verily. But it would come into my mind again. And then I should be as bad, nay, worse than I was before. Why, what was it that brought your sins to mind again? Many things. If I did but meet a good man in the streets, or if I have heard any read in the Bible, or if mine head did begin to ache, or if I were told that some of my neighbors were sick, if I heard the bell toll for some that were dead, or or if I thought of dying myself, or if I heard that sudden death happened to others, but especially when I thought of myself, that I must quickly come to judgment. And could you at any time with ease get off the guilt of sin, when by any of these ways it came upon you? No, not I. For then they got faster hold of my conscience, And then, if I did but think of going back to sin, though my mind was turned against it, it would be double torment to me. And how did you do then? I thought I must endeavor to mend my life, for else, thought I, I am sure to be damned. And did you endeavor to mend? Yes, and fled from not only my sins, but sinful company too, and betook me to religious duties as prayer, reading, weeping for sin, speaking truth to my neighbors, etc., These things did I, with many others. Too much here to relate. And did you think yourself well, then? Yes, for a while. But at the last, my trouble came tumbling upon me again, and that over the neck of all my reformations. How came that about, since you were now reformed? There were several things brought it upon me, especially such sayings as these. All righteousnesses are as filthy rags, or by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. When ye shall have done all these things, say we are unprofitable, with many more such like. For whence I began to reason with myself thus, if all my righteousnesses are filthy rags, if by the deeds of the law no man can be justified, and if when we have done all we are yet unprofitable, then it is but a folly to think of heaven by the law. I further thought thus, if a man runs a hundred pounds into the shopkeeper's debt, and after that shall pay for all that he shall fetch, yet if this old debt stands still in the book uncrossed, for that the shopkeeper may sue him and cast him into prison till he shall pay the debt. Well, and how did you apply this to yourself? Why, I thought thus with myself. I have by my sins run a great way into God's book, and that my now reforming will not pay off that score. Therefore I should think still under all my present amendments, but how shall I be freed from that damnation that I have brought myself in danger of by my former transgressions? A very good application, but pray go on. Another thing that hath troubled me, even since my late amendments, is that if I look narrowly into the best of what I do now, I still see sin, new sin mixing itself with the best of that I do, so that now I am forced to conclude that notwithstanding my former fond conceits of myself and duties, I have committed sin enough in one duty to send me to hell, though my former life had been faultless. And what did you do then? Two! I could not tell what to do, until I break my mind to Faithful, for he and I were well acquainted, 
And he told me that unless I could obtain the righteousness of a man that never had sinned, neither mine own nor all righteousness of the world could save me. And did you think he spake true? Had he told me so when I was pleased and satisfied with my own amendment? I had called him fool for his pains. But now, since I see mine own infirmity and the sin that cleaves to my best performance, I have been forced to be of his opinion. But did you think, when at first he suggested it to you, that there was such a man to be found, of whom it might justly be said that he never committed sin? I must confess the words at first sounded strangely, but after a little more talk and company with him, I had full conviction about it. And did you ask him what man this was, and how you might be justified by him? Yes, and he told me it was the Lord Jesus that dwelleth on the right hand of the Most High. And thus, said he, you must be justified by him, even by trusting to what he hath done by himself in the days of his flesh, and suffered when he did hang on the tree. I asked him further how that man's righteousness could be of that efficacy to justify another before God. And he told me he was the mighty God, and did what he did, and died the death also, not for himself, but for me to whom his doings and the worthiness of them should be imputed if I believed on him. And what did you do then? I made my objections against my believing, for that I thought he was not willing to save me. And what said faithful to you then? He bid me go to him and see. Then I said it was presumption, but he said no, for I was invited to come. Then he gave me a book of Jesus, his indicting, to encourage me the more freely to come, and he said concerning that book that every jot and tittle thereof stood firmer than heaven and earth. Then I asked him what I must do when I came, and he told me I must entreat upon my knees with all my heart and soul the Father to reveal him to me. Then I asked him further how I must make my supplication to him. And he said, Go, and thou shalt find him upon a mercy seat where he sits all the year long to give pardon and forgiveness to them that come. I told him that I knew not what to say when I came, and he bid me say to this effect, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and make me to know and believe in Jesus Christ. For I see that if his righteousness had not been, or I have not the faith in that righteousness, I am utterly cast away. Lord, I have heard that thou art a merciful God, and hast ordained that thy son Jesus Christ should be the savior of the world. And moreover, that thou art willing to bestow him upon such a poor sinner as I am. And I am a sinner indeed. Lord, take therefore this opportunity, and magnify thy grace in the salvation of my soul, through thy son Jesus Christ. Amen. And did you do as you were bidden? Yes. Over and over and over. And did the father reveal his son to you? Not at the first, nor second, nor third, nay, nor fourth, nor fifth, nor sixth time either. What did you do then? What? Why, I could not tell what to do. Had you not thoughts of leaving off, praying? Yes, a hundred times, twice told. And what was the reason you did not? I believed that that was true which had been told to me, to wit, that without the righteousness of this Christ, all the world could not save me. And therefore, thought I with myself, if I leave off, I die, and I can but die at the throne of grace. 
And with all, this came into my mind. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So I continued praying until the Father showed me his Son. And how was he revealed unto you? I did not see him with my bodily eyes, but but with the eyes of my understanding. And thus it was. One day I was very sad, I think sadder than at any one time in my life. And this sadness was through a fresh sight of the greatness and vileness of my sins. And as I was then looking for nothing but hell and the everlasting damnation of my soul, suddenly, as I thought, I saw the Lord Jesus look down from heaven upon me and saying, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. But I replied, Lord, I am a great, a very great sinner. And he answered, My grace is sufficient for thee. And I said, But Lord, what is believing? And then I saw from that saying, He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. That believing and coming was all one, and that he that came, that is, ran out in his heart and affections after salvation by Christ, he indeed believed in Christ. Then the water stood in mine eyes, and I asked further, But Lord, may such a great sinner as I am be indeed accepted of thee and be saved by thee? And I heard him say, And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Then I said, But how, Lord, must I consider of thee in my coming to thee, that my faith may be placed aright upon thee? Then he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone that believeth. He died for our sins and rose again for our justification. He loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He is mediator betwixt God and us. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. From all which I gathered that I must look for his righteousness in his person, and for satisfaction for my sins by his blood, that what he did in obedience to his father's law, and in submitting to the penalty thereof, was not for himself, but for him that will accept it for his salvation, and be thankful. And now my heart was full of joy, mine eyes full of tears, and mine affections running over with love to the name, people, and ways of Jesus Christ. This was a revelation of Christ to your soul indeed. But tell me particularly what effect this had upon your spirit. It made me see that all the world, notwithstanding all the righteousness thereof, is in a state of condemnation. It made me see that God, the Father, though he be just, can justly justify the coming sinner. It made me greatly ashamed of the vileness of my former life, and confounded me with the sense of mine own ignorance. For there never came thought into my heart before now that showed me so the beauty of Jesus Christ. It made me love a holy life, and long to do something for the honor and glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Yea, I thought that had I now a thousand gallons of blood in my body, I could spill it all for the sake of the Lord Jesus. I saw then in my dream that hopeful looked back and saw ignorance, whom they had left behind, coming after. Look, how far yonder youngster loitereth behind. Aye, aye, I see him. He careth not for our company. But I trow it would not have hurt him had he kept pace with us hitherto. 
That is true, but I warrant you he thinketh otherwise. That I think he doth. But, however, let us tarry for him. Come away, man. Why do you stay so behind? I take my pleasure in walking alone, even more a great deal than in company, unless I like it the better. Did I not tell you he cared not for our company? But, however, come up, and let us talk away the time in this solitary place. Then, directing his speech to ignorance, Come, how do you do? How stands it between God and your soul now? I hope well, for I am always full of good motions that come into my mind to comfort me as I walk. What good motions? Pray, tell us. Why, I think of God and heaven. So do the devils and the damned souls. But I think of them and desire them. So do many that are never like to come there. The soul of the slugger desireth and hath nothing. But I think of them and leave all for them. That I doubt. For leaving all is a hard matter, yea, a harder matter than many are aware of. But why, or by what, art thou persuaded that thou hast left all for God in heaven? My heart tells me so. The wise man says, he that trusts his own heart is a fool. That is spoken of an evil heart, but mine is a good one. And how dost thou prove that? It comforts me in hopes of heaven. That may be through its deceitfulness. For a man's heart may minister comfort to him in the hopes of that thing, for which he yet has no ground to hope. But my heart and life agree together, and therefore my hope is well grounded. Who told thee that thy heart and life agree together? My heart tells me so. Ask my fellow if I be a thief. Thy heart tells thee so. Except the word of God beareth witness in this matter, other testimony is of no value. But is it not a good heart that hath good thoughts? And is not that a good life that is according to God's commandments? Yea, that is a good heart that hath good thoughts, and that is a good life that is according to God's commandments. But it is one thing indeed to have these, and another thing only to think so. Pray, what count you good thoughts, and a life according to God's commandments? There are good thoughts of diverse kinds, some respecting ourselves, some of God, some of Christ, and some of other things. What be good thoughts respecting ourselves? Such as agree with the word of God. When do our thoughts of ourselves agree with the word of God? When we pass the same judgment upon ourselves which the word passes. To explain myself, the word of God saith of persons in a natural condition, there is none righteous, there is none that doeth good. It saith also that every imagination of the heart of man is only evil, and that continually. And again, the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Now then, when we think thus of ourselves, having sense thereof, then are our thoughts good ones, because according to the word of God. I will never believe that my heart is thus bad. Therefore thou never hast one good thought concerning thyself in thy life. But let me go on. As the word passeth a judgment upon our heart, so it passeth a judgment upon our ways. And when our thoughts of our hearts and ways agree with the judgment which the word giveth of both, 
then are both good, because agreeing thereto. Make out your meaning. Why, the word of God saith that man's ways are crooked ways, not good, but perverse. It saith they are naturally out of the good way, and that they have not known it. Now, when a man thus thinketh of his ways, I say when he doth sensibly with his heart humiliation, thus think, then hath he good thoughts in his own ways, because his thoughts now agree with the judgment of the word of God. What are good thoughts concerning God? Even as I have said concerning ourselves, when our thoughts of God do agree with what the word saith of him, and that is, when we think of his being and attributes as the word hath taught, of which I cannot now discourse at large, but to speak of him with reference to us, when we have right thoughts of God, when we think that he knows us better than we know ourselves, and when we see sin in us, when and where we can see none in ourselves, then we think he knows our innermost thoughts, and that our heart, with all its depth, is always open onto his eyes. Also, when we think that all our righteousness stinks in his nostrils, and that therefore he cannot abide to see us stand before him in any confidence, even in all our best performances. Do you think I am such a fool as to think God can see no further than I? Or that I would come to God in the best of my performances? Why, how dost thou think in this matter? Why, to be short, I think I must believe in Christ for justification. How? Think thou must believe in Christ when thou seest not thy need of him? Thou neither seest thy original nor actual infirmities, but hast such an opinion of thyself and of what thou dost, as plainly renders thee to be one that did never see a necessity of Christ's personal righteousness to justify thee before God. How then dost thou say, I believe in Christ? I believe well enough for all that. How dost thou believe? I believe that Christ died for sinners, and that I shall be justified before God from the curse, through his gracious acceptance of my obedience to his law. Or thus Christ makes my duties that are religious acceptable to his Father by virtue of his merits, and so shall I be justified. Let me give an answer to this confession of thy faith. Thou believest with a fantastical faith, for this faith is nowhere described in the word, thou believest with a false faith, because it taketh justification from the personal righteousness of Christ, and applies it to thy own. This faith maketh not Christ a justifier of thy person, but of thy actions, and of thy person for thy actions' sake, which is false. Therefore, this faith is deceitful, even such as will leave thee under wrath in the day of God Almighty, for true justifying faith puts the soul as sensible of its lost condition by the law upon flying for refuge into Christ's righteousness, which righteousness of his is not an act of grace, by which he maketh for justification thy obedience accepted with God, but his personal obedience to the law in doing and suffering for us what was required at our hands, this righteousness. I say, true faith accepteth 
under the skirt of which the soul being shrouded and by it presented as spotless before God, it is accepted and acquit from condemnation. What? Would you have us trust to what Christ in his own person has done without us? This conceit would loosen the reins of our lust and tolerate us to live as we list for what matter how we live if we may be justified by Christ's personal righteousness from all when we believe it. Ignorance is thy name, and as thy name is, so art thou. Even this thy answer demonstrateth what I say. Ignorant thou art of what justifying righteousness is, and as ignorant how to secure thy soul through the faith of it from the heavy wrath of God. Yea, thou art ignorant of the true effects of saving faith in this righteousness of Christ, which is to bow and win over the heart of God in Christ, to love his name, his word, ways, and people, and not as thou ignorantly imaginest. Ask him if he ever had Christ revealed to him from heaven. What? You are a man for revelations? I believe that what you both and all the rest of you say about that matter is but the fruit of distracted brains. Why, man, Christ is so hid in God from the natural apprehensions of the flesh that he cannot by any man be savingly known unless God the Father reveals him to them. That is your faith, but not mine. Yet mine, I doubt not, is as good as yours, though I have not in my head so many whimsies as you. Give me leave to put in a word. You ought not so slightly to speak of this matter. For this I will boldly affirm, even as my good companion hath done, that no man can know Jesus Christ but by the revelation of the Father. Yea, and faith too, by which the soul layeth hold upon Christ, if it be right, must be wrought by the exceeding greatness of his power, the working of which faith I perceive, poor ignorance, thou art ignorant of. Be awakened, then, see thine own wretchedness, and fly to the Lord Jesus, and by his righteousness, which is the righteousness of God, for he himself is God, thou shalt be delivered from condemnation. You go so fast. I cannot keep pace with you. Do you go on before? I must stay a while behind. Well, ignorance, wilt thou yet foolish be, to slight good counsel ten times given thee? And if thou yet refuse it, thou shalt know, ere long, the evil of thy doing so. Remember, man, in time, stoop, do not fear. Good counsel taken well saves, therefore hear. But if thou yet shalt slight it, thou wilt be the loser, ignorance, I'll warrant thee. Then Christian addressed thus himself to his fellow. Well, come, my good hopeful. I perceive that thou and I must walk by ourselves again. So I saw in my dream that they went on apace before, and ignorance he came bobbling after. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.